following is a conversation with Steve Brown, um, counselor and addiction recovery coach here in Vernon, BC. Uh, we talk about you know mental health, um, alcoholism, living in sobriety, um, some of his you know personal journey on how he got there to um, his approach which is called uh, solution-focused counseling, he, his, his philosophy about, um, about counseling, um, and all the things. It's always among other things, right? It's, it's, a, it's hard to just pick a few things, but these are the main lines. This is the curious art of being human. If you want to support it, feel free to subscribe to this channel. I think that's it. Um, enjoy, sit back, relax, okay? Uh, yeah. And now... Steve Brown. Actually, bubbly is my like go-to. I uh, drink probably too much of this, but um, Steve, thank you for having this conversation with me. Um, you were saying you were born and raised here, and you yeah. like the outdoors, top places to to camp around here. Oh, you want my secret spots already? <laughs> yes. The first thing we're going to. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, yeah. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me. It's yeah. a pleasure. I'm, I'm humbled just to be uh, asked to do this. I really do appreciate it, and. Yeah, I've been here for 45 years now, and uh, there's some amazing places to, yeah. to go and camp. Um, I grew out in Laving grew up out in Lavington, which mm -hmm. is kind of halfway between Vernon and uh, Lumbee. And so up in there, they call it the Aberdeen Plateau, and there's a, just uh, dozens of lakes up there that are really awesome to, to hit and, and to camp at. And lots of mosquitoes, lots of small fish, but I, it feels like home when I go up there. It's like uh, so my be, backyard. Be, between Lavington and, and uh, Vernon? Between Lumbee and Vernon. Between Lumbee and Vernon. Yeah, there's a little community called Lavington. There's an elementary school. Yeah. There's a mill. There's a, the fire department, uh, mm -hmm. outdoor rink, which is really awesome in the wintertime and stuff and that. So. And so these are the, the your go-to places to... to to go camp and uh, yeah I do yeah. a lot of fishing it's nice easy access to go up yeah. there and stuff as i kind of evolved into the fishing and that i go to kind of seek bigger trout a bit more solitude you know maybe some tougher to catch mm -hmm. uh, areas so i tend to do trips to the caribou and stuff uh, usually oh, nice. twice a year up there and yeah. 100 mile house williams lake quinnell area and, and go from there so it's my self-care basically i mm -hmm. love being outside i love uh, fly fishing i love camping and uh, my partner is the same way so yeah. we get to do that a lot together which is great and just way to shut everything off turn the cell phones off for a while to yeah. unwind so nice yeah. do you find uh, any when you when the people who enjoy like the outdoor and you and when you're in nature do you find that you see in nature Things that you, I don't know how to say that, um, like lessons that we can see in nature that we can apply into this modern world into and into like our um, our life. Uh, does it make sense? Yeah, some lessons that we can apply from, yeah. from nature itself. Uh, there's a whole section of nature therapy, which is mm -hmm. really starting to to take off and stuff. Um, funnily enough, we're looking at doing some things down the road with my own practice, mm -hmm. uh, like some nature walk and talk sort nice. of thing, get some outside. There's a lot of benefits to being outdoors in nature. Biggest one for me, uh, which I sort of mentioned, was just having time to turn the cell phones off to kind of unplug and get away from everything. Mm -hmm. um, it's just nice to be able to be outside and just kind of hear the nature, enjoy the sounds, be present, which I think is um, missing a lot in my life too. We get mm -hmm. involved in the hustle and the bustle every day. You know, the emails come in, return the phone calls, you get up in your head. And out there, as soon as I hit the dirt road with the truck, 
it's it's like it just feels like home i can kind of mm. calm down forget about life for a little bit of time whatever that is even for an hour and just kind yeah. of take a look around and just kind of marvel in what's been given us yeah right do you have you heard about um the walking barefoot on the on the ground and like the benefits that that this can uh, i don't know if you've if you've heard i haven't that. heard of that no apparently sounds... like it's a real thing like they've been testing i i haven't got into it enough to really explain the, the why but yeah. I, i know that it's uh it's been tested and like there there are like uh, healing properties when you and it's better it's easier to ground when you walk barefoot and you were supposed to walk at least 15 20 minutes yeah. every day in the grass or on earth uh, with barefoot uh, it sounds amazing <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah reminds me of growing up because we were barefoot all the time in the yard yeah. and stuff ripping around and stuff and True. now today i go walk across the driveway with bare feet i'm going ah, 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 yeah and uh, yeah it definitely feels different something to to try to put in the in the yeah. daily Uh, for sure so do you and you're you do fishing yeah fly fishing specifically um I, i'll i'll do any type it's better than working yeah. i guess but uh yeah. yeah i've um been doing that since i was about 16 17 years old um i was playing hockey out in nelson uh, billeting out and mm -hmm. uh, the billets that i was staying with at the time he had a fly rod and i didn't know what the hell it was at the yeah. time and so we're on the i think it's the kootenai river there and just casting away like an idiot. I'm using these tiny little flies. I'm like, how are we supposed to catch fish on this? It makes no sense whatsoever. I'm just kind of doing my best. <laughs> and I cast something out there and this big massive trout just kind of rolled over yeah. the fly. It was the biggest thing I'd ever seen. I'm like, oh my God, what was that? And I had it on for about half a second and I lost it and I got hooked into it like that. I'm like, I need to do this more. And so mm. I kind of got back from the season, dove into it, started tying my own flies and stuff and just kind of uh, take a fly casting course so I could do it properly. And ever since mm -hmm. then, it's just been um, uh, second nature to, to do yeah. that. So we've been doing it for a lot of years now. I love it. And mm. yeah, the wintertime, it's uh, not really able to do that yeah. for obvious reasons with the ice and everything, but I usually you know, tie flies, stock up for the upcoming season and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it gives me something to do for the majority of the year. And yeah. yeah. It's interesting. I've never really got into uh, fishing. I'm curious how do you how do you feel when you do it? What why is it in the the, the whole aspect of it that is because you were talking about like the thriller when you, when you you get one, yeah. but for that <coughs> short moment, I guess like there's long moments of just uh, just waiting. Like how what do you what do you do <laughs> when you when you wait? And yeah, you when you're waiting, it's yeah. uh, I mean, that's a good way to test the patience, obviously, right? and yeah. stuff. Uh, there's a, com a competitive nature that I have in me, too, where it's like, you know, I want to be successful for the most part, but I think I've kind of evolved a little bit past that. It's just, I'm happy just to be out nowadays, yeah. but there's a little saying in the, in the fly fishing community called the tug is the drug, right? Oh, so yeah. just getting that little bite <laughs> and that hit sort of thing. And yeah. what I like about fly fishing, I guess, specifically is that, um, You know, you're trying what they call match the hatch. You're trying to imitate bugs that are actually found in the water column. Mm -hmm. So there's a sense of satisfaction when I think you can fool a trout, you know, with something that you've created and tied yourself mm -hmm. especially, you know, and go, wow, I think I kind of figured out why they're eating this at this time sort of thing. So it's a bit of a puzzle that I've always enjoyed to kind of Absolutely. figure out and it's always evolving i've as much as i'm competent in what i do there's a whole other level that i could still be you know mm -hmm. experiencing with that so the, the learning never stops which i think is great right. so yeah do you do you eat the the fish as well or is it just for the the sport interestingly it's enough, a real uh, question it's not a no it's a great <laughs> question i i don't eat a lot of fish yeah. i don't really enjoy the taste of trout mm -hmm. which is usually what i go after and stuff um 
most of the lakes that I fish are not really more than glorified swamps. So they're really muddy tasting mm-hmm. when they come out of there, especially in like the warm weather and stuff. So some of the bigger lakes for sure. My parents, uh, my family love fish. So I'll take some for them occasionally. But for me, yeah. I just appreciate kind of the sport of it, catch and release and let them go. And I'd rather take a picture for the most part. And mm-hmm. so I think I was telling you, you asked me to send you a picture or whatever for some media mm-hmm. purposes. I'm like, there's not too many of just me without me holding <laughs> like a fish fishing. in my hand or something. Yeah, yeah, too. So is it something you started when you were super young or, or later in, in life? Because you're talking um, about your family. Yeah, uh, we, yeah, we grew up fishing okay, and stuff. Yes. Yeah, uh, we were always, you know, it was pretty basic trolling wedding rings and worms around sort of thing around the boat sort of thing and back then it was known as you know you catch your limit you keep your limit and mm-hmm. i remember having four liter ice cream buckets of frozen fish um you know you fill up have like the five or six fish in the bucket fill it with water then you freeze them sort of thing and mm-hmm. hopefully they get eaten but we used to call them black bananas frozen black bananas because they'd be fish and trout in there and stuff and yeah so i never enjoyed that aspect of it but mm-hmm. we've been fishing since we were for young for sure yeah. Yeah. So there's probably like a, an emotional attachment to the, the, the thing that reminds you, um, your childhood and, and things like that. Big time. Like yeah. Fishing, yeah. My parents are still avid campers though. Yeah. They, they don't fish that often anymore. Um, but they camp religiously all the yeah. time throughout the summer and they got their RV now and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And they'll go for weeks at a time and stuff. And so, nice. I mean, that's what I grew up doing. Um, yeah. I'm 45, so believe it or not, this is before internet and stuff. You know, before cell phones <laughs> yeah. and that, there was, you know, these were what we I did. So, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Um, that was that was childhood, especially growing out a little bit out of the, um, you know, out of the urban setting sort of thing, you know, yeah. more rural and stuff out there. And so that was just the thing to do. It was a nice time where I could grow up and, um, you know, we're going down the creek. All right, see you later. And hopefully yeah. we'd be back by dark. And it was just a, maybe a different time back then, but, uh, that's, that's yeah. what it was. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Um, so you've been working in the, the field of, uh, mental health for, um, a long time. Yeah. I think you told me 10, 15 years, something like that. Yeah. I've been working in the field for about 10 years now. About yeah. 10 years, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, specializing uh, in like in addiction specifically. In addiction specifically yeah. 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 Do, do you feel the first thing I wanted to ask you is, um, did you feel like the, do you feel like the awareness about mental health is something that is fairly new or is, or like 10 years ago, it was already, uh something i'm telling this because when i i started to uh, to me in my experience i started to to hear more and to see more of this when i actually arrived here end of 2018 okay before this and when i arrived here i I started hearing people talking about like anxiety and, and stuff like that i had never heard about that kind of thing before so i i don't know if it's something that is more that is different because it's come from europe and 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 there's like a a cultural aspect of it or it's because it was the timing of things but how in your experience uh raised and grew the awareness around uh, not not necessarily just uh recovering from from addiction but but the 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 general aspect of of mental Mental health health is it something pretty recent or is it or has it always been something uh yeah, that's um, that's a great question. It makes me happy actually that you have noticed that coming uh, from France over to here and noticing those changes. So mm-hmm. that's uh, that's a positive in my mind. Um, 
It's definitely uh, been brought to light and much more attention over the past years, um, mm. being much more acceptable. And I think that's the message that's still trying to be carried today. Um, I work with a lot of men, and especially amongst um, men and males, to go and ask for help. It was not really something that I grew up with either. You know, I didn't have a tough childhood by any means or mm. a strict family thing, but, you know, it just wasn't really something that, you know, you don't really talk about your problems. You don't try not to show fear, that kind yeah. of stuff. Mm -hmm. I knew that I could have, but um, most of my friends didn't either. And so to ask for help today as a, as a man is, um, is, is difficult, but it's getting better. And uh, it's, I'm trying to maybe create a space where it can be more open and accepted. So to answer your question, like the, the landscape I think is definitely changing, being more awareness, which is, which is fantastic. Still have a long ways to go. Right. Absolutely. Right. Well, um, why do you think, um, is it harder for men to, to, uh, reach out for, for help? A lot of it, I think, has to do with a lot of the stereotypes uh, that are out there that go with asking for help as a man, you know, being, it's it's weak, I can do this, I, I got this, I have to show toughness, you know, I have to be strong for others, and, you know, well, I learned that I can be strong for myself today, I don't always have to have all the answers, I don't have to be strong for everybody, I just have to be, just be me, and mm. so, to be in that place, I think, where, you know, I'm struggling, I'm going through some stuff. Is there judgment on me that other people are going to make fun of me? Oh, this guy's going to go see a, a psychiatrist or this mm. guy's seeing a counselor and stuff and, and asking for help. And through my own experience, I found that asking for help and reaching out for help is a sign of strength, not, not a sign of weakness. Mm. And so I, I quite tend to be open about my journey in that to encourage other men specifically to mm -hmm. get out there and talk about that stuff. You don't have to keep it in. We don't have to have all the answers. And um, I don't have to be strong for everybody too. You know, there's a time and a place for that. And um, uh, a lot of guys that I work with, they carry the weight of the world on their shoulders. Mm -hmm. And man, that's a lot of burden to kind of carry on a day-to-day -day basis sort of thing. And when I'm working with them specifically, it's not that I'm uh, taking their burdens away. It's just having them maybe place it down for a little bit and mm -hmm. maybe have them question, why are you carrying this burden with you sort mm -hmm. of thing? And do you have to? Is it even necessary, you know, for the for the most part? So right. um, to add to that, uh, it, it can be challenging in a relationship as well where I, I'm, I'm not sure what your experience with is either, but... And this is evolving as well, but, you know, the, the old stereotypes of the man of the house, you know, and being mm -hmm. the, the breadwinner and that kind yeah. of stuff and having to do all these, you know, be Mr. Fix-It and do everything stuff. I think that landscape is changing as well. Mm -hmm. There's definitely uh, relationships and stuff out there where they want, I want a manly man or I want a more mm -hmm. uh, dad presence or a more calming. I'm not here to debate that, but just... Um, you know, being, I think, right for yourself and just being comfortable with what you bring to the table. Um, mm -hmm. We had a quick conversation before this about, uh, you know, sitting, um, how about, it's easier to 
get along sometimes with the opposite sex and talking to mm-hmm. them than it is to talk to another guy, especially mm-hmm. about feelings. You know, how mm-hmm. often have you said, Hey, uh, Robin, let's go get together and uh, let's <laughs> yeah. talk about our fears today. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, and it doesn't really no, happen totally. that way. Yeah, yeah. So, but I have some really awesome people in my life today, guys, especially mm-hmm. that, that I can do that with. I don't have a big mm-hmm. circle of friends by any means. It's very small, but quality for sure mm-hmm. that I can go to with that type of stuff. So, why do you think uh, that specifically? Why is it harder? To, uh, why communication is harder men to men? I mean, or seems to be harder men to men, or seems to be vulnerable. Like we can talk about the world, the word vulnerable, because mm-hmm. I felt I felt like there's a, there's a lot going on it's around word. around that that word. But uh, so so let's maybe let's get that word. Like, how would you define and and how what means to you? Uh, vulnerability um, and how would you yeah how would you how would you define it I think vulnerability would be uh, able to be my authentic true self around somebody mm-hmm. uh, not being afraid to risk mm-hmm. who I am uh, putting myself out there whether it's emotion whether it's my thoughts or ideas and take a chance mm-hmm. um, I think there's so much fear of being rejected of being abandoned that I put on this facade of maybe who I am or who I want to be. And I did that for years in my addiction. I would kind of refer to myself as a chameleon. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be anything but myself. I hated myself. Mm-hmm. Today, I love myself. But it also, uh, when I started to heal from my recovery journey, I didn't know who I was either. So mm-hmm. that was a kind of a starting point. So mm-hmm. it's hard for me to be vulnerable if I don't know who I am, what I'm supposed to be, where I'm going. I don't even know what that looks like. And so I'm usually putting on this mask, so to speak, of mm-hmm. hiding the real vulnerable person that's inside here who right. is fragile, who's, you know, is, uh, has feelings, has emotions, uh, maybe is weak from time to time. You know, those things are all there. So finding quality people that I can, can trust and connect with is important to be vulnerable. And I think it starts with me. If I can be vulnerable myself with other guys, it can maybe encourage you to be vulnerable with myself. The more I'm open to sharing little bits about my story and showing weakness or whatever that may be, mm-hmm. fears, will hopefully allow a safe space for you to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, why, uh, why do you think we, we can easily fear this vulnerability, especially uh, from men to men? Um, where do you think that, not necessarily where that comes from, but why, why is it harder to do this than like you said to maybe more talking about that with the, with the women um, or having why, why, why like communication it's easier let's say talk about like masculine and feminine energy and yeah. instead of this but uh, then masculine masculine uh, where, do, where do you think <laughs> why do you think that you want the blunt answer? Yeah, I want the. the, the I, I think uh, when there's you. when there's not sex on the line or the possibility of that, that's a big aspect of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have to. Um, there's no need for me to impress you. Really, right. you're just another guy, and maybe uh, maybe I'm in competition with you about some sort of thing, mm-hmm. but. There's no, it's just us. It's just vulnerable. There's you, if it's you and me talking like we are right now, mm-hmm. we can be, we can be open. We can be vulnerable. You know, a girl walks into the mix, into the room. That'll change the dynamic very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In most cases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so now it's like, 
chest gets puffed up a little bit, mm. you know, and kind of fixing the hair, doing mm. all that kind of stuff. And so guy to guy, when we're just sitting here talking, especially when we're not used to that, it's like, what, what do we talk about, dude? Mm. Like, uh, how about the, how about the weather? How about the, you know, how about the Blue Jays kind of thing? Mm. You know, we, we go to these, um, go to phrases that are really not there's no depth behind them kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So you take these microphones away and are we going to be talking about the same things? We, we just sort of met, we talk, we have some niceties, we throw out some common things out there. Hey, it's nice out today. But with my true friends, I can be like this and just mm -hmm. have a conversation with them and stuff being, mm -hmm. being open. But it's really difficult when there's that fear of maybe being judged. Is he going to think I'm mm -hmm. weak or something and that? And I find it's typically not a, common thing like i mentioned earlier with, hey let's go talk about our fears and what's mm -hmm. going on today and uh what are you struggling with it's like no bro let's uh let's go fishing and uh you know all this kind of stuff we'll put on mm -hmm. our yeah. things and just be just be guys you know mm -hmm. and uh, while that's fun and there's a place for that it's it's not how i like to connect with people yeah more often yeah is it so you were talking about the 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 safety is it because we I mean, if it seems like deeply rooted, we're, we have that instinct for a competition, right? And, and being vulnerable, it's going to be some kind of like submitting yourself to, to a place where you're going to kind of be put out of the, the competition. Uh, I, I can see that happening for sure. Yeah. You know, it's, um, and not, not everything's a competition, but it's, yeah. uh, you know, no, for sure. if that's where we're growing up if that's what we know you mm -hmm. know then um that's what that's what we're gonna act that's what we're gonna play out so yeah. if we're kind of shown not just necessarily taught but shown or we we witness growing up being like you know what don't cry suck it up be a man that kind of stuff mm -hmm. that, that comes from somewhere you know mm -hmm. and so to kind of turn that around and be you know it's okay to show weakness it's okay to admit you don't know the answer to things it's okay to be week to shed a tear once in a while mm. that type of stuff it's a big change and while it can happen within you if i'm not surrounding myself with other people that i can't do that with it's going to be even more difficult mm. so i try to choose like-minded people that i hang out with today for those sp specific reasons for the most part we're guys and we talk about guy things we have yeah. a poker night and we you know shoot the shit sort of thing mm -hmm. but i also know that at any given second the guys in my life i can talk about what's going on mm. with me in my life so that, that sort of thing too which is yeah. a really big asset that i need in my life yeah. so yeah i need guys mm. i need i never thought i would need that sort of thing but i need guy friends that can talk to me about this kind of stuff in that capacity i really yeah. Um, enjoy that today and I never used to like oh no I'm a lone wolf and mm. that was that was it and I I don't need anybody kind of thing and that's right. uh, it's fine for a time it gets lonely and it's not not what I wanted anymore I need that outlet that I can mm -hmm. have um, from my relationships from my family and just to to relate with so how, how do you think uh, how do you feel it helps you on, on what point uh, to have that outlet that to have that uh I was going to say man outlet, outlet, but that doesn't make sense. To have that, uh, to have other, I guess it's like what any friendship would, would bring you, right? Uh, but more specifically, men to who you can, you know, say anything you, you, you would want or... 
it helps me to uh, to regulate. Uh, it helps me to just be accepted. It helps mm-hmm. me to remember who I am and where I come from. Mm-hmm. But I don't even know if uh, you know if it's that I. How should I put this? Um, those things are important to me that I know that they're there. And so when I'm talking about this, it's not like every time I get together with my guy friends, we're talking about deep issues and our for vulnerabilities, sure. Sure. but it's an outlet that I know that I can have because mm-hmm. I, I crave that, especially when I'm working on self-improvement, when I'm working on trying to become a better version of myself and to grow, I don't, I don't want to be the same person that I was mm-hmm. last year, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. I want to continue to improve and I need people in my life that are on that same path. And in order to do that, I need to process what's going on I want people that want to grow and evolve with me mm-hmm. and otherwise I don't change and I and nothing nothing is everything's the same and that's mm-hmm. just that's boring for me and so I uh, I need to have those connections where you know I can't run everything by my girlfriend I don't mm-hmm. want to go to my parents <laughs> for everything there's I need a time and place you know I have my outlets for that and there's times where I go to my friends for some advice. There's times where I just want them to be guys. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I go to my own counselor if I really want to get to the heart of some things or whatever. Mm-hmm. I talk to my coach, my mentors, whatever that looks like. I can go to those outlets. But I need outlets. Mm-hmm. People need outlets to have that kind of thing. Otherwise, you get involved in a relationship and it's just you drive each other crazy really, really quick. Yeah. And my partner, who's also a counselor, I mean, we can mm-hmm. sit there and, <laughs> wow, we have some interesting conversations. Yeah. And it's a tough I, it's a tough role to play sometimes. I have to put on a couple of different hats. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is I'm not being somebody different, but my girlfriend has is having a bad day. Mm-hmm. And it's like, do you want me to be uh, Coach Steve right now? Do you want me to be Counselor mm-hmm. Steve? Do you want me to just be your boyfriend? Or what does that look like? And for the most part, she just wants me to listen. You know, mm-hmm. just sit there and let me vent and do the thing. And so yeah. it's that's fine. If you want some feedback, I'll give you some feedback. If you <laughs> yeah. want an opinion, I'll give you one. If you want a solution, I give you the there solution. There it is, yeah. <laughs> uh, but for the most part, it's kind of, yeah. sorry, babe. I'm sorry yeah. you had it bad. What can I do to help? Uh, mm-hmm. What do you need from me kind of thing, right? And that sort of thing. But, um, sure. yeah. so For sure. <clears throat> Um, yeah, no, that was a good, uh, good way to put it. You, you talked about, um, changing, growing and like it, it's, uh, it's something that, um, for some people is, is, is hard to, some people are going to get into some kind of cycle and, and never want to change their entire life. Some people want to change all the time, a little bit like me. I'm like that. Yeah. Um, and the thing is. I don't think anybody needs to to change or needs not to change. But how do you? How would you say somebody would need uh, changement in their life? Somebody would need to change. Is it something that like, if you'll feel it? Uh, if no, sorry. If you need it, you you'll know it, or you can be stuck into something and not be aware that you need change. Uh, and what my question, I guess, is like, what are like some key points that we could give that you could give with your, your experience, uh, to people for them to relate on that they might consider, uh, okay, I need, I need some, some change. I need some evolution. I need some growth. Okay. Um, because I, I don't know if it's me, I want to like people to change because me, I'm changing and I want to <laughs> see that in others. Yeah. 
<clears throat> or it's because because I see how how the impact the positive impact on like on personal development and growth and changing and evolving and and I also see a lot and I also have people in my life that, are, that will never wants to change or never uh, change and and how do you know so I guess the question can be double like how do you know if you're changing too much or if you're not changing enough I don't know if that question makes sense. But yeah, there, there's definitely two questions in there. And I think both can be <clears throat> equally true. And mm -hmm. um, so how do you know if you need change? That's that's the that's the thing. I, I think that it comes from wanting more. Um, mm -hmm. I think it also comes with maturity, with growing up, you know. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with not changing for the most mm -hmm. part. Many people are fine and content living the life that they're at. And, and that's great. But most of the people reach out to me for a reason and we call you know I'm, I'm stuck i'm just not where i want to be um i'm not a fan of this word but i i use it more often is the word potential mm -hmm. and i used to hate that word it drove me nuts like you have so much potential you have so yeah. much potential like what what does that mean what do you <laughs> yeah. want from me just yeah. tell me kind of thing right like what what am i wasting away here <laughs> and uh so you know as far as change i wanted I want more always to, to, to experience that. And there's people that maybe don't, like you mentioned, don't know that they're in that process that may need to change. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. But that's also where I would come in or is like, well, have you considered this or what's going on? Like, what's the real reason? Where are we, where are we trying to get to? What are we, what do you want from life? What does that look like? And so I think um, where I'm getting to is having some sort of purpose and fulfillment in your life that gives you reason to wake up mm -hmm. and gets you fired up, waking up out of bed going, yeah, let's, let's get on with this day here. This mm -hmm. is kind of, I got shit to do, you know, and I want to want to have that drive. Otherwise I sit in bed doing nothing and a day goes by and another day goes by and I'm just kind of stuck in this nothingness. I'm not really happy. Maybe I'm not even really sad or maybe I am depressed, but mm -hmm. that needs to, I think a lot of time come from that internal drive. And mm -hmm. so what I believe is that there's two things that um, drive us. There's inspiration and desperation will motivate us to to move forward. Inspiration being, I want what this guy has, or this is what my goal is. I'm going to go get it. I'm going to make anything happen. Or desperation, which was mostly the case in my past, going, I need to get out of this cycle. Uh, speaking with addiction specifically, it's mm -hmm. killing me. It's ruining my life. I'll do whatever it takes to get out of here. There's a desperation. Those two mm -hmm. things will motivate us to to do something about it. And when I find that, where I come in is to help you maybe focus on it. Clarity, what do you want? What is the picture? What's your why? Why do you want to do this? And then develop a plan to go mm -hmm. and get that to make to make that change possible. I see. Um, with that, I mean, change is, uh, we can talk about it all day long and I can write a dozen different things down on a sheet of paper and what I want to do. And at the end of the day, it's the action part that kills people that nothing happens with it. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to go. And then I'm not mm -hmm. getting in there. Or let's talk about why I'm not going to the gym. And that's mm -hmm. one of my pet peeves in that aspect too. It's like we can sit here all day long and discuss why you're not going mm -hmm. to the gym if that's what you want to be doing. Where did it come from and what does that look like? Mm -hmm. And Or we can just get your ass into the gym. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so – yeah, that's well, yeah. Well, like my my practice, we we um, we do what we call solution focused brief therapy, basically. Mm -hmm. So it's more of a strength based approach, and then we focus on solutions to 
what's going on in your life. And that's a prime example of what happens often is, I don't know why I'm not getting to the gym. Maybe am I feeling lazy? Am I being procrastination? And we can spend hours and weeks discovering why. Or I usually ask people, it's like, well, do you want to get to the gym? Yeah. Well, what's stopping you from going tomorrow? Well, this and this and this. What if we eliminated those reasons and those excuses? Let's just get your ass in the gym. And the rest of it will sort of sort itself out kind of thing, right? So do we want results or do you want a narrative on the way that things are? And so one requires action. And the other one just requires more and more processing. Mm. So um, neither are wrong, just... Different approach. Yeah, a different approach, right? Mm. And so uh, you, you know, obviously a very fit individual, uh, probably know the, the great benefits of exercise and self-improvement mm. in that aspect. Just getting into the gym a lot of time is enough for people to wait, all right, I'm here, I did it, you know? Mm. And I don't know if you've heard that saying or not either. I'm not a fitness trainer by any means, but... The, the heaviest thing you lift in the gym is the door getting in there. Mm. You know, just opening that door and going is yeah. like overcoming half the battle. Then we can sort the rest of it out from there. But um, totally. yeah, yeah, is is the the ripple effects of, of things right? You you do one positive things and especially exercising because there's so much tied to exercising, right? Nutrition, sleep, like wellness, generally speaking. So just by everything is wrong, but you, you start working out and yeah. then. And then naturally you will, you'll stop sleep better because you're, you're tired and then you'll stop eat, you'll start eat better because you want to be better. And Absolutely. Then, so, so it's really is the kind of thing that puts you on that positive spiral. For right sure. There. Yeah. Just the uh, ripple effect, like you mentioned. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. Um, you, you, so you talked a little bit about your, your personal, uh, story, your personal experience when in your case when um how did you what was the thought process and how did you find a way to start saying okay maybe i need to to do something um is it something that again i feel like the question is weird but is it something that you you feel like you made the decision that okay now now i need to do something because like you said i'm like killing myself or or, uh, or was it an external component that made you realize that i guess the the question is more to give like, like maybe an example of of uh, how mentally can look like when you're at a point of you're attached to the comfort that whatever it is gives you, but you know that is also extremely detrimental for your health. So where is the thing, health or... Um, Where's the line, basically, for yeah. that? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. My, uh, you know, my, my story, in a nutshell, basically, is, uh, is addiction. Um, mm -hmm. Struggle with alcoholism for years and years. Mm -hmm. And uh, I hit a point where I was... Doing things I didn't think I'd be doing. I was saying things I didn't think I'd be saying. I was uh, thinking about things I never thought I'd be thinking about. Mm -hmm. And I was I was suicidal. And um, I um, I never really knew. I didn't think I had a problem for a long mm -hmm. time until it started to become a problem. I started to recognize that others saw that I had a problem long before I recognized it myself. You know, to me it was just normal. Mm -hmm. And so. Um, 
I would lose lose jobs. I would lose relationships. I was getting to a place where I was drinking more and more and more to cope with the stressors of life that was mm-hmm. happening to me and losing myself in the process. And getting to a point where I I didn't know who I was and I didn't like who I was, mm-hmm. especially. I hated myself mm-hmm. when I was in my the end of my addiction. Um, I, I didn't want to be around anymore. I thought I'd just be better off. I was, my, my family wasn't talking to me and they're putting up their boundaries and it was just, um, just, just a mess losing everything that was important to me. And where it kind of came to a place of, uh, what I refer to apologize of the, call it the case of the fuck it's basically. It's like, I, there's nothing for me here anymore. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do. And so, uh, family intervened in that aspect. And I was, um, I, w- I was willing to to get some help with it. I'm like, you know what? I think uh, I'm ready to do this. But it was also what I refer to as kind of my last manipulation to my family and friends being like, you know what? This time I really mean it. I really want to get help. And so mm-hmm. I went to treatment uh, for about 45 days on the mm-hmm. island about 16 years ago uh, for help with that. I voluntarily went and um, my parents uh, took care of the, the cost for that and stuff. And I... I actually quite enjoyed the process. It was great. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot about myself. It was almost like a vacation <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for a bit in a weird sense. It's like, wow, I all everything's taking care of me. I get three meals a day. I got a nice mm-hmm. place to stay and I get to talk about me, my favorite subject, <laughs> you know, perfect for my ego at the time yeah. and learning about me sort of thing. So I did the best I could. I enjoyed the process. I got out of there and I just slowly stopped doing the things that got me well. Mm-hmm. Um, my I, you know, I got the girlfriend back, I got the job back, mm-hmm. I got all these things kind of back in my life, mm-hmm. and I stopped doing what got me well in the first place, and like that, I'm right back into, you know what would be a good idea right now is having a drink again, and just mm-hmm. like that, I, I was into it. it. It was a very big, quick crash, and mm-hmm. I, I was very much just in desperation mode, lost everything again, just like mm-hmm. that, and that's where the internal from my end this time was like... I can't do this anymore. I, I know that's going to lead. That's going to lead to death and suicide if I go that way. So there's that internal desperation and inspiration at the same time. The tricky part was is that I went to my family again, going, "I need to go get some help." And they're like, mm-hmm. "We just we just spent twenty five grand at a treatment center. What is next? Like, we send you to a a better one that costs fifty grand. We we uh, we spent a hundred grand. Like, at what point do you start to?" Take the tools you have and make these changes. We're sorry, but we're kind of done. And that was the boundary that needed to be set with me Mm -hmm. to be like, I got to get my shit together. I I can't do this anymore. And for myself, not for other people. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I hit that place of desperation, that's when things changed exponentially. I, I just started doing the work that was required that I started to do before just went all in on it and I haven't had to have a drink since. I'll be taking 15 years mm. um, in like two weeks coming up here actually of sobriety. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. So, well, yeah. Do you, can you, can you walk us through like the, the steps and the, the, the process of what helped you personally um, recover and overcome uh, this? Where did you, at that point, how did you, did you use um, tools that they give you gave you at the thing, or yeah. what? What did you start doing to? Yeah, great question. Uh, it's a kind of a combination of everything. Um, mm-hmm. Before I went to treatment, I mean, I went to I went to doctors, I went to psychiatrists, and it's like, 
diagnosed me with something because I didn't want to believe that I was an alcoholic. I didn't mm. even know really what an alcoholic was. Right. And that was that's a whole other sort of a sidetrack that we can discuss. But, um, you know, I... I didn't know what an alcoholic was, so how could I be one? You know, to me, the mm. stigma that I had in my mind of, a, of an alcoholic was a homeless person that you see under the bridge with a brown paper bag. Mm. And here I am, 24, 25 years old, being like, that's not me. And I went to my very first 12-step meeting when I was 24 years old because my girlfriend said at the time, if you don't go to a meeting, we're done. Mm. And so I went, and I remember that first meeting, and it was full of old people this is my recollection at the time it was it's fairly accurate but there's you know some <laughs> yeah, embellishing yeah, here sure. and there but to make a point but more than anything was that it was just people i couldn't relate to in there i wasn't mm. going in there to think of what i could relate to i was like i'm not one of these but i heard stories like you know when i drank i beat my wife and when i drank i lost my house and i went to jail for this and i'm 24 years old going I haven't even bought a house. I've never been in jail in my life. Mm. I haven't done this. I'm not one of you guys. See you later. I'm out of here. Mm. And spent years of misery trying to chase that because I couldn't relate to what that what that was. Mm -hmm. Instead of what could I relate to, maybe the, the feelings that were going on of the, the desperation and the, the fear and all that kind of stuff, I kind of got scared out of those rooms for a long time. So I would look to doctors and psychologists I'm like I don't I don't want to identify as an alcoholic and I don't want to be this and mm -hmm. all these labels that go with it just give me something so I can go to my family and be like you know what this is what I have and here's my excuse of why I drink so much mm -hmm. kind of thing and I never got that until I had a uh, a sponsor in 12 steps come up to me and this is when I got my sobriety basically he said I'll tell you what's wrong with you he goes you're a selfish self-centered asshole who's full of fear and drinks too much that's exactly what he said mm -hmm. and I was like okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't really know you that well but yeah. uh thanks and that that's always hit home with yeah. me and I just needed that blunt truth and it's like mm -hmm. yeah that, that that's what's going on and mm -hmm. I had been going to meetings off and on since I was 24 years old until I sobered up at age 30 for six years in and out of those rooms, going to uh, treatment, going to 12-step meetings, trying all these different mm -hmm. things, trying in quotation. I didn't try shit. I was just trying to hopefully it would come by osmosis and it didn't happen. I, again, the action word, which I'm such a big, I needed to take action to do mm -hmm. this kind of stuff. So it was a process of trial an error and a lot of error for a lot of times until what I refer to that place of hitting that place of desperation. And when I hit that place, nothing was getting me off that track anymore. I needed to hit that place to keep in mind, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to get to. And nothing's going to steer me off of that course sort of thing. When I hit that, that was a gift that I needed to do whatever it took. So, right. yeah. Did you have anything that, that, um, any reason that helped you and you talked just before about like the the why did you have at that point any any kind of drive or or external like motivation something to go toward or was it really just like me as a as a person that need to to for not necessarily a a purpose because we often i often hear uh, you know when you're gonna re when you're gonna replace an addiction like you really need something to to something else to look forward to, something to put your brain on, Absolutely. another a purpose or, or something like that. Did at that point you had like that notion or was it just really, well, this is going to kill me and I want to leave, so I just want to, if that makes sense. Yeah, that, that's a great question. And uh, I didn't have the 
the why back mm. then. I had enough. It was, it was just desperation mode going, I don't want to die. And I, none of my family will talk to me. I had nothing. Like, those doors are closed. And I'm like, if I don't do any something, I'm not going to have any sort of life. And it was, um, I, I didn't want to be that. I, I hated who I'd become. I didn't know who I was anymore. And I didn't want to be that person. I knew there was so much left to offer. I was only 30 years old. My life wasn't even halfway over. I didn't think I'd hit 30 years old. So that was a miracle in itself. And, um, so just going, I just want to be anything but that. Mm. Um, and that was kind of the starting point of, you know what, I just, let me just get sober and see what happens basically. And and I did that for, for a while. Um, I, I've, I achieved sobriety and it was great. It was the best year of my life. Uh, that, that first year I worked my ass off to get it. I was doing everything that was mentioned to me. Um, mostly because I didn't want to be that, that person that I was in short, I needed to grow up. Mm -hmm. I, it was like the party was over, dude. It was like, I, I can't do this anymore. It's like, I, I, I don't know how to pay bills. I don't know how to function properly. I'm 30 years old. My, my brother's two years younger than me. He's got a family and a house and all this mm -hmm. kind of stuff. I have nothing, you know? And so that was kind of a, like, what, what, what the hell am I doing with my life? You know, just mm -hmm. that, that stuckness. And, um, it didn't need to get to the point it did, I don't think, but it was necessary for me to hit that point for me to make that change. Mm -hmm. I discovered my why probably a few years, <clears throat> excuse me, into my sobriety of mm. um, the goal of pursuing um, personal development, of becoming a better version, um, mm. which is uh, an interesting journey in itself. The reason being for that is... Um, I mentioned that that first year or two of sobriety was like the best of my life. Everything was mm -hmm. new. Everything was different in, in recovery. Mm -hmm. um, I got my, my girlfriend back. I got married in sobriety. I've been divorced in sobriety. Mm -hmm. I've learned all this stuff. And it's um, it's weird to say this to people because I find some people, it gets one of those eyebrow moments when I, when I say it. But it's <laughs> like when I quit drinking, I didn't get better. I got worse. And that's a really weird thing to think about is being like, how are you going to help people? <laughs> but when you yeah. think about it, you take away the only thing that made me feel better. Mm -hmm. that, that how I, This is how I cope with life. You take that yeah. away. What am I left with? Yeah. I don't have any tools or skills. So I had to learn all that stuff. Yeah. And so it was a growth period. And, you know, how do I um, navigate emotions? How do I navigate anger? Getting my first paycheck. I, be, I was 30 years old giving my paycheck to my mom because I couldn't be trusted with myself to go out and buy booze after mm -hmm. my first time. And all these things were new. And uh, I worked through it, and then I hit a place of complacency. Everything was like, this is as good as it gets. And mm -hmm. I was, that was great, and I was okay with that. But it wasn't. It wasn't enough anymore. I, that, you mentioned earlier that inner drive is like, there's got to be something more out here. Mm -hmm. And what I realized was that um, I essentially, while I was feeling better and doing better, I was essentially the same person that I came in as mm -hmm. I just wasn't drinking. I hadn't really mm -hmm. changed at all. I just wasn't drinking. Mm -hmm. And so for a lot of people, that's enough to just, you know what, I'm not drinking anymore. And you know what, I'm not in trouble with the cops. You know, my wife's not throwing me out anymore. My life's got, it's gotten a lot better, but I haven't really changed. And that was what I was seeing. I started to see friction going, 
I'm still doing the same old shit I was doing when I was drinking, lying to people, manipulating people. I'm just not drinking. And here I am, you know, coming home thinking, oh, look how spiritual I am and how great I am with all this kind of stuff because I'm sober and this. No one gives a shit. It was like, I'm just, I'm still the same person. I'm just not drinking. And that was a big turning point for me going, Interesting. I need to, I need to take this to a different level. And that was about four or five years into the, into the, mm. the program of sobriety for me. So, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting, right? Because you you because you remove something, ultimately you kind of have to to feel feel it with with something else. And if you just like remove it and exist without that thing that you were using, like you said, and I don't know how to cope yeah. with anything <laughs> without this. Uh, and so, what did you do then? Oh wait, no. Was no, another question? What what job did you were you doing at that point before getting into uh, counseling? You were working in in what field? Yeah, uh, great. So when I first sobered up, I was actually selling cell phones in the mall in Vernon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah at Rogers, I was selling cell phones yeah. in my first year of sobriety, and uh, I started. You know, I was I was being sober and uh, like learning a new way of life, and I'm like. It's just a meaningless job with no purpose mm -hmm. or passion. And um, part of uh, maintaining my sobriety was to help others. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I had this big spiritual awakening and experience as, you know, uh, through sobriety and working steps and changing different things and that kind of stuff. But when I started working with other people for the first time and seeing that light turn on in their eyes and seeing them be like, holy shit, this is awesome. I can do this. Mm -hmm. That blew that whole other spiritual experience out of the water. It was the best thing. It was the best feeling ever just to see somebody else get it and go, wow, they don't have to suffer anymore. And to know that maybe I had a, some small part to play in that mm -hmm. was like, I'm like, I need to do this. And so I'm like, I want to, I want to go back to school and I want to, I want to help people. That's all I knew. I didn't really know what kind of path to take. I like psychology. I've always been fascinated by people. I don't really like people, but I'm fascinated by them. Um, and uh, so I, I wanted to uh, go to school for psychology and I, I suck at school. I really, I'm not good at it. Uh, mm. It doesn't come easy to me sort of thing. And so I really had to work at it. But about the same time, um, I was offered a, a position uh, at a treatment center uh, here in town. And um, it was kind of the, the perfect job is what I've always wanted to do. I get to work with addiction, people mm -hmm. in addiction all day long and help carry the message, you know, and, and that was, it was perfect. And so, um, that was a full-time opportunity and I wasn't able to go to school anymore. So I kind of stopped halfway through my, mm -hmm. my bachelor's and just said, you know, I want to do this, this work. And, um, I was at that center for about nine years. Uh, just, wow. um, yeah, it was a government, um, Uh, funded treatment program. So I was working with people all on all sides of the spectrum there sort of thing in that capacity. And it, it was the best. It was, it was great. I was kind of in it and I feel like my, my passion was, was found and uh, mm. yeah. So that was kind of the start of it sort of thing. And that, yeah. And then, and then you oriented yourself more into direct counseling. Was it after that? Uh, was it through this or because what it wasn't real counseling that you were doing at that place right yeah no it was more like uh like what would i call it so i, I mean i was say managing the place but we do lots of one-on-one -on -one stuff or whatever yeah. and that too but not in a formal 
sense basically. Mm. And so, uh, through that time, interestingly enough, was that I, I'd lost my passion again over there. So fear was always a big part of my story. I was just always mm. so afraid of everything. That's where my addiction brought mm. me. I just, uh, I'm a fairly big guy. Mm. Um, you know, I stand out in crowds most of the time. I'm six, six and I tower over a lot of people. And mm. my addiction brought me to a place where I just wanted to crawl under a rock and die for the most part. I don't mm. want to be seen by anybody. I used to have a lot of confidence playing hockey and stuff in my younger age of being a captain of hockey teams and stuff to a place where I don't even want to live anymore. Right. Mm. So I lost all that, all fear-based stuff. And then I start to develop a life in sobriety things start to come back I start to you know go to this place where I need to grow when I, I start and the fear starts to disappear from my life again I start to work on myself and these fears leave and I start to rebuild the life that I had lost I would create this new life almost free of fear and interestingly enough is that that was not a good place for me to be hmm. I fear fear drove me to make some changes. And when I had overcome and worked through all that stuff, I was just in, in kind of complacent mode. I wasn't challenging myself anymore. I didn't know what else was out there. And I knew that I wanted to do something different and something more. And I wanted to help in a different capacity and I, to, to sort of challenge myself. And I had to learn how to get comfortable with the uncomfortable again. I needed to bring fear back into my life to bring it to me to bring me to a place mm -hmm. where I would make some, some change. So that was kind of the, the initial uh, thought process and feeling that kind of came up as I, I, I want to do my own thing now. Mm -hmm. And um, that fear continues to, to push me. Um, mm -hmm. I've been doing this on my own for almost a year now, mm -hmm. like, a, and, and building this thing. And fear has pushed me and guided me every step of the way. Mm -hmm. And so, I, I don't like to say like I, I, I haven't mastered fear by any means. I haven't, I wouldn't even say I've overcome it. I just learned how to um, use it as an ally, to be mm -hmm. friends with it, to be comfortable with it. It's just a feeling, it's an emotion, but it drives me to do what I need to do. There's that desperation or that inspiration again, right? Is that I can use this as a tool to, to recreate things. And it's nice to not have, um, you know, as much as I needed certainty in my life, I'd created that, but there's no uncertainty anymore. I needed mm -hmm. to have that, that, that excitement and that joy that comes with doing what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. So that was a big reason for that. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's funny because you're saying, <coughs> you're saying the, the, because the fear is something that drive, but the fear of, uh, s the fear of certainty and like staying st not stuck but in it was the fear of, of certain certainty that drives you that drives you to to get into something else because I, I just I want to make sure I understand properly or because you're saying you're using the fear no what am I saying no because you, 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 you were fearing staying in the same position or what what is exactly the or maybe i didn't yeah no I, i'll try to elaborate so yeah. like i was <clears throat> i was in a place in life not just work but in mm -hmm. life in general or things were just it was on auto autopilot for mm -hmm. me i was in a long-term relationship that wasn't really going anywhere i was mm -hmm. in a job that really wasn't going anywhere i loved it it was great but i wasn't really going anywhere with it and everything was just 
formulaic and routine. You know, I was, I, my, I was waking up at the same time every day, eating mm-hmm. the same things every day. I was getting off at the same time. I was, you know, I, on routine, I'd take my holidays at the same time of year. I knew uh, the same amount of my mm-hmm. paycheck. All these things are just like, like clockwork. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, I was proud of that because that's what I had rebuilt it. I was okay with it. This is great. I finally yeah. got a life again. This is awesome. But I was like just kind of plateauing. And I think for a lot of people, that, that that's fine. And I could have probably been comfortable doing just that as well. But there was no drive anymore to do mm-hmm. anything different. Uh, major relationship uh, switch up, major job switch up. I just like, I need to get back to feeling kind of alive again. Mm-hmm. And while fear guided me in the past to the desperation to get to where I wanted to be, it redrove me again to make these changes that were mm-hmm. necessary to where I am today. Um, the shit that I've done in the last year, it blows my own mind. I didn't mm-hmm. think it would be it'd be possible. I, like creating it in my own business. I have no business training. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing half the time, but mm-hmm. I'm making it work. And that's why through just kind of pushing myself and pushing my limits. And that's what I like to challenge myself mm-hmm. is what am I capable of? And when I get into that mindset, um, it, it's amazing to see these doors that kind of open up. And what does that look like um, to be where do I want to go and what do I want to become? I could have been perfectly happy and content just kind of doing my nine to five like so many other people do on, on this planet and nothing wrong with that at all. I just, I wanted some more mm-hmm. and maybe that's selfish. I don't know. I just want to continue on more and more and more mm-hmm. and give it to me. And I want to absorb it up and, and, and that's where I continue to push myself and I want to get other people in that same mind mm-hmm. frame. And so, um, I'm not everyone's cup of tea. I know that, you know, that's like, um, every, not everyone needs to, to have that or feel that way, but, Mm -hmm. um, people that want to, um, take their lives to the next level, that's where I love to, to intervene with Mm -hmm. people and to get on board with her because there is other levels and Mm -hmm. beyond that other level is just, it's indescribable because I don't even know what level I'm on, but I'm like, Mm -hmm. I know I'm not there. I just want to kind of keep going and going. And, um, that's what pushes me every single day. And that's what I want everyone to kind of feel is like, if you think this is as good as it gets, you're selling yourself incredibly short on Mm -hmm. how good life can be. Right. So, yeah. 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 You were talking about potential. There's so much more potential. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so what what are the um, what are key things that you I don't know if in your experience that you work with people that might be different with anybody right but key things to overcome uh, fear to actually going try to try to go in that other level about your life and and like the fear you're gonna have when because you were all build attachment to our lifestyle and. Uh, and the comfort that it gets and like yeah. going outside of this in your experience uh, working with with people do you have like common things that come back that key tools that that helps people um going through fear uh, f- through fears and, and overcoming and, and embracing it and that, yeah. yeah like i think that a big thing is uh, self-awareness for one mm-hmm. you know like knowing what you want to be, where you want to go, and what's that going to look like. And mm. um, that's where, uh, you know, like fear is, it's just, it's like the foundation almost of the most reasons why we, we don't 
go and, and push mm-hmm. ourselves sort of thing. The failure, failure or rejection or, um, you know, not being good enough, whatever that case is. Are, and it's all these, this thought that takes place in the future. Like, what if I don't get that job? And what if I can't make it work? And what if it doesn't happen? And what if, what if, what if? That's all in the future. I have no control over what happens in there. And what that does is it takes me out of the present moment right now sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a big one is, you know, first identifying that self-awareness and um, being learning how to get comfortable with that fear. As far as specific tools, I mean, I like to sort of, um, you know, kind of create a roadmap of some sense or whatever. So I wrote a little while ago about the the purpose of a map in, in, in some capacity, especially with like, therapy and coaching and that and you know map has kind of two main functions and one of the main functions is it tells you where you want to go mm-hmm. uh, which is important in life so knowing where where do I want to go what do I want to do what do I want to see and how am I going to get there so I have that map for that reason to figure out where I want to go but that is useless for if I don't have the other second function which is knowing where I am so I have to kind of take a stock of being like what's going on now where am I what am I doing? What do I want? What do I have? And go from here's from point A to point B kind of thing. So we start kind of start from there as a starting point going, um, who is Robin and what makes you tick and what are you looking for? What do you want? What are you trying to achieve? And why do you want to achieve that kind of thing? The why is where the longevity kind of comes in, right? So when we figure that out, we can kind of create that map of getting you to where that's going to be. Right. assuming you want that drive to begin with to get there. So mm-hmm. um, I don't really reach out to people. People reach out to me in this aspect going, dude, I'm, I don't know what the hell to do. That's kind of where we start. We just take a kind of a, a personal inventory, basically, of what's right. where you're at and where you want to get to and and to, to start so I know um, where I can help take you. Mm-hmm. For example, I hear this all the time. I just want to be happy. I just want to be successful. And I'll ask them, well, what does success mean to you? What does that look like for you? I, I don't know. Well, if you don't know what it looks like, how are you going to know when you get there? Yeah. You know, so does that mean I want to I want to be a millionaire? I want to have, you know, f- uh, you know, full family, a big house. I want to be able to take vacations. I want to be financial freedom. I want to be free. I want this, all these things. If you don't know what that's going to look like, you're not going to know when you get there anyway. So it's, you're pursuing constantly without ever having arrived at any specific place so that's kind of a starting point right yeah so the division helps you cross yeah the fear yeah yeah because yeah, who's going to feel fear just to feel fear right it's going to block you easily <laughs> yeah. now if you know that's the path to who you want to go. That's right. It's not the most comfortable yeah. feeling, you know, but it's, yeah. uh, and most people want to avoid fear because it, it's not a comfortable feeling. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that's a bad feeling. I'm like, feelings aren't good or bad. They, they just are. And it's okay to feel that too. Um, you know, you, you can, you don't want to live there, but it's okay to feel it and experience that. Mm-hmm. Um, it can't be happiness all the time. Um, you know, there's always these ups For and sure. downs sort of yeah. thing, but yeah, let yourself experience and just be and yeah mm-hmm. yeah do, do you is it mostly what you do now uh more of a, like a guidance and direction oh no because you said you so let us get a little bit into what you do here <coughs> um you shared between that kind of like 
life guidance and 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 as well as mo mostly uh, focused on recovery mm -hmm. uh, um, from addiction. Um, does this? Well, I guess it, it looks probably pretty different. Uh, the, the the approach. Um, how do you? How do you start working with uh, people with addiction? What, what what looks like the the, the first step into um, establishing a, a plan for them and and that type of thing? Yeah, great question. It's um, it's uh, similar in the sense of knowing and understanding the nature of the addiction itself and mm -hmm. going. So most. Um, most people we we call we kind of find out where they're at. How much? Are, what are we? What are we using? What are we drinking? What does that? What does that look like? What do you want to do? Like, what is the goal to overcome? I don't want to drink anymore. I want to be able to drink socially or whatever the case may be. So we establish kind of what the goal is. Yeah. Um, do they ever know? Do they always know already that goal? Because sometimes I guess people don't even really. No, is it is it yeah. or do they always know? Or it's is funny. It sometimes I don't I don't know. Yeah, a lot of times they don't know what that what that looks like or mm. how or but mostly again that the fear is coming in because they don't know what's possible. So like, mm. oh, I can't possibly quit drinking for mm. a month or three months or forever or whatever the mm. case is, and so we we sort of break that down or the family will intervene in that aspect too. We want him to quit drinking. What do you want? Uh, I'd like to be able to drink socially. If that's the goal. We can we can work with that. So, mm. it's it's the client's goal. It's not my goal for them. If that's if that makes sense, I'm not here to say you have to quit everything and live this perfect life free from substances. It doesn't have to be that way. Mm. Um, we just kind of question your relationship with the the drug of choice. What does that look like, and what are you looking to accomplish? So. A lot of people are, you know, they hit a place of uh, their life's unmanageable because their their drinking's interfering, they're smoking too much pot, whatever the case is, is it's interfering in their life. It's mm -hmm. affecting their relationships. It's affecting their jobs. It doesn't mean they're an alcoholic. It does. It just means that it's impacting their life in a way that they don't. It's not working for them right. anymore. And so we just want to challenge the relationship on that. And that's where I hate these labels that kind of come in and. Um, you may not have noticed, but I haven't used the term rock bottom yet because right. I can't stand that terminology. Mm -hmm. It's so old school and it's just, this is a mini rant, but mm -hmm. it is just, it's not good medical advice because you hear that you have to hit rock bottom first in order for you to overcome. Mm -hmm. And it's such bullshit. It's, it doesn't have to be that way. Right. It's, you know, um, if addiction and substance use is a, is a health issue now, not a moral one, we know that. Mm -hmm. And so waiting for things to get worse is like the worst medical advice you would ever give somebody right. in that capacity. Can you imagine saying to someone with stage four cancer, let's wait till stage four until mm -hmm. we start intervening kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'm trying to get that out of people's vocabulary and mm -hmm. stuff is you don't have to hit a rock bottom to change your relationship with mood altering chemicals, mm -hmm. right? It's like if it's interfering in your life, that's enough. The sooner you act on it, the better kind of yeah. thing, right? And so um, that's when things can, we can intervene at a much earlier stage. So that's that's the nature of it. Now, the demographic of clients that I work with today is different from the treatment center that I worked with. Mm -hmm. uh, so most of the uh, my clients that I work with today are what I would consider high functioning. Um, they still have their jobs and their families and that type of stuff. You know, they um, 
uh, they're working, they got the kids and the relationships, and maybe that the, the alcohol or drugs is like interfering in their life in some capacity where they're not able to function at that level. And so in most cases, it's in their best interest to give it up in some capacity, but it doesn't always have to be you're hitting that rock bottom or you have right. to be an alcoholic until you get help. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Let's just try it and maybe you've seen these movements that are happening now too these like sober like dry Januarys. these movements of like no alcohol for a month and these challenges that put out there i hold my own challenge yeah. uh, for people that want to try to quit for a month and here's some tools to kind of go with that just to question your relationship you'll mm. learn a lot about yourself when you yeah. give up alcohol and drugs for a month or whatever the mm. case is your brain will start to kind of clear up a little bit and you start to be like Holy shit! It's this is kind of possible, and mm-hmm. if that month is enough for you, that's fine. And uh, if it's if it's not, you want to keep going, then we kind of come up with a, an evolving plan from there too. So that's my long way of saying, mm-hmm. let's just question and let's talk about your relationship with alcohol or drugs, and where do you want it to be, and what would you like to improve on it, and then we can kind of go from there. So right. yeah. Do do you usually is it something that you will early in the 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 practice like invite people to to just like do a short break so so they can feel what it's like or or is it something that's not coming right up everybody's different mm-hmm. and the reason for that is uh, some people can't quit on their mm-hmm. own that's where it gets yeah. tough so i have to evaluate that too so when i do coaching one on one they have to be able to um, be able to not use for a, a, a small period of time. Otherwise, we have to look at options such as detox. We maybe have to get it out of your system, or that's where residential treatment comes in, right? So I'm one aspect of the whole, under the whole umbrella and spectrum of addiction recovery treatment aspect is mm-hmm. a coaching aspect. Some people, uh, like myself, function very well in a, I, I couldn't quit when I, when I tried, that mm-hmm. was a scary moment for me as always, there's always a time where I'd be, Oh yeah, I can kind of quit mm-hmm. until I tried and I couldn't. And that was like, yeah, we, we got problems here kind of mm-hmm. thing. And so if I can't, then we have to discuss a different option sort of thing. But, um, the, the starting point is, yeah, some people try to do like a, a week to start sort of thing, or they, they may be in a position where they can do a month. Um, there's a whole area called gray area drinking. Um, there's a great YouTube, uh, sorry, Ted talk mm-hmm. on YouTube that's available. It's by uh, Jolene Park. I think her name mm-hmm. is, uh, called gray area drinking. And it's for your average um, person that may just have, um, issues with it. And there's pros and cons with that in a sense mm-hmm. is because, they're they're not really an alcoholic. They can quit, but when they start, maybe it gets out of control or causes friction all the time. They're getting into trouble with it, or they they binge drink a lot. You mm-hmm. know, so I'm going hard on weekends. I see this a lot of with guys that work on the oil rigs or whatever the case is. Is you know they're mm-hmm. two or three weeks in and they don't touch a drop, and they come back and their whole paycheck's gone in a matter of mm-hmm. days and and stuff. You know, on gambling and drinking and drugs, and then they go back whatever the case is. So, yeah. but they can quit for periods of time, right? And so that's what we kind of have to work with, but not everybody's affected the same. And so if you're in this category, again, what, what, what do we need to do? We have to evaluate, do an assessment basically mm-hmm. to see where we're at. Can I help you in that aspect? And if so, this is what we do, what's the goal and go from there. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Um, what do you think is the, the often like we, for into family or we, with friends, it's uh, 
sometimes something very delicate when you know when you have a friend or that you know that kind of have a problem or or is struggling with something and it's it can be very difficult to to help someone especially when you don't really know how uh, and sometimes it does it's not enough to go hey like go see a professional or whatever like what, what do you have any any advice on how to approach someone that you you know needs help but does not necessarily want and if it's if it's any possible because right ultimately it's going to be the decision of the individual but how is it something that you can um, approach if you have some uh, some advice on that if somebody would want to help a friend or or um, from a non-professional if that makes sense yeah absolutely Uh, you kind of interestingly enough said the word there from a non-professional standpoint is usually where the family is coming from Mm -hmm. right and that's uh that can be tricky um because how do we we don't i don't know how to navigate it as a family member and this is happening as my you know my loved one my partner or my kids are experiencing this kind of thing what do i do and uh, this is where we see it all the time is you know i want i want my my kid to be safe. I want them to get help, but they don't think that they need it. And how do I, you know, um, it's starting to get worse and worse. And a lot of the calls that I get are from the parents themselves and not mm-hmm. the person that's wanting help. You're like, we don't know what to do and what, what is that going to take? And there's really not a right or wrong thing to do per se. It's, I mean, this is your family member. And again, every family member is a little bit different, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think a good starting point is uh, showing some compassion of, of what it is and knowing that they're, they're not a bad person. They may be just going through some, maybe doing some, some bad things, but it doesn't mean they're a bad person. You know, This is, can affect anybody. And so to have an understanding of what they might be going through is a good starting point, but it depends on the level of severity and what's, what's happening, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of the, the ideal, the inclination is to want to do anything to help them and protect them. But in, a lot of times in protecting them, we're enabling them to, with this behavior, here's some money to, so you're not left out on the street sort of thing. Just come on home and have a meal kind of thing. Or you can mm-hmm. stay here and as long as I know you're here and safe, everything will be okay and the drug use isn't stopping. It's just getting worse under their house. And now... Now they're starting to get things stolen from the house and it's just this big thing, but I don't want them to go out there because they'll, they'll die or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's where the issues kind of come in. And going back to me, what I said earlier is intervene as early as you possibly can, if mm-hmm. that's the role to do. Um, you mentioned it yourself. You're, you're right in the sense that usually the best results come from the person wanting it themselves. But it doesn't always have to be that way. It, it can be, um, like I said, I went to my first meeting because I wanted my relationship back. My girlfriend set a boundary at that time, being like, you go or you're sleeping on the couch. Mm-hmm. So those boundaries need to be kind of made. What are you willing to do and what are you willing to not do? So that's sort of where intervention type uh, mentality can kind of come in is that if you're willing to get help, there is nothing we won't do to make sure that we get the help you want. But if you're not willing to get help, there is nothing we will do to continue to support this behavior, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And so creating those boundaries is, is, is very important. But before all that's happening, reach out to somebody. That's what I'm here for. That's what treatment centers are here for. That's what doctors are here for. That's what psychologists reach out, reach out. Because if you're not an expert or if you're not a professional in the field, 
that's what we're here for is to, to provide that. It's not, not a lot of people are. And the problem that we see is that alcohol especially is that it, it's just so much more accepted. It's, it's, uh, it's legal. It's been going on for mm. centuries, yeah. you know, this sort of thing. We see the, the opioid crisis. We see the epidemic that's happening with all that stuff and the people on the streets and the numbers of people that are dying. It's, it's sad in its own right. Alcohol use and alcoholism and is that on the economy, on the family system, outnumbers, it out, the, all those uh, statistics combined is doing more damage than that sort of thing because it's so socially acceptable with mm. the drinking especially. So, um, you know, a lot of people are in that environment themselves. Uh, you know, the dad or the mom are drinking heavily and so is my kid. Mm. We want to help him and he can stay here, but you're, it's just the toxicity in the environment. Yeah. So families need to heal as a whole a lot of times for it to become possible. Yeah, yeah. right. Well, there's the famous uh, uh, ge um, gener generational trauma. Absolutely. Right? Like you, you, you pass on the things you haven't healed yourself. Yeah, um, very, very let's, true. Let's, uh, I mean, there's also a lot of things about that that, I don't know, do you, but I mean, the thing is like now it's kind of from what I hear, um, uh, now we're saying more that addiction comes specifically from trauma uh, or can, can <laughs> come from trauma. It's not just like, oh, because, you know, you're weak and suddenly you want something. It's, it's, it's for a reason. Sure. Um, do you sometimes something that helped me uh, personally it was uh, really changing the way i was seeing it um and kind of like uh realizing that again nothing is really fundamentally like good or bad it's all a spectrum and, and there's a lot of we attach emotionally uh or culturally we're saying this is good this is bad. You should be ashamed of this. While for some things it can be true for sure, and exercising it will be good for you, right? Yeah. It's not. There's nothing. Nobody <laughs> will ever say like, no, <clears throat> moving your body is not good. And and for some things, yes, for sure, this will be terrible. But I found that um, there's that whole heaviness that is on like uh, the subject of addiction, drugs, and alcohol. That, that is uh, legitimate for sure because it can literally kill people mm -hmm. or make people kill other people or, or create terrible things. So for, I'm not saying that it's that it's not, you know, it, it is legit, but I found that kind of uh, changing a little bit the way uh, I was seeing it and the, the shame that we, we can put on ourselves by doing things uh, and really accepting it like as you know it's something that you did to 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 uh, fight something almost or to feel something yeah it's not mm -hmm. you're not doing this because you're you're bad you're doing this for a reason that is that you're human and and it's a way that made you feel good at the end of the day it's it's, it's what it is and um i'm curious to see if it, in, in the, the practice or in the there's there's a little bit of that that tendency that you you you're doing or is it like not at all on the the table but just trying just changing the 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 relationship with the the addiction itself mostly culturally as it as it's yeah. seen in society and and stuff like that yeah it's uh it's interesting uh because I mean 
alcohol and drugs do what they're supposed to do. They mm-hmm. usually heal pain of some capacity, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, and this is where I, maybe I should point out to like, not everybody that drinks is an alcoholic not, or yeah. has a problem drinker, right? Millions of people, millions and millions can socially and drink responsibly and use drugs responsibly. But there's also that large percentage that, that can't, right? And so um, it's trying to, like I said, trying to change that narrative a little bit. That's kind of what I'm trying to do as well is just, you don't have to, identify as an alcoholic or label yourself that to go and get some help. It's just, if it's causing friction in your life, there's some things that you can do about it Mm -hmm. to, to kind of change that. But it's, it's so normal where the the difficulty lies is maybe it's causing areas for one person, but my social group, when I go with my golfing buddies or whatever the case is, are all doing the same thing. Why me? You know, and you start to, you surround yourself with like-minded people for the most part. So Mm -hmm. if, all your people that you surround yourself with are drinkers and every weekend they're drinking and party and that kind of stuff. That's, that's what you know until you get out of that. So my, my girlfriend now is uh, what we, I consider a normie. Uh, you know, she socially drinks and likes her wine and stuff like that sort of thing too. And she has a lot of her, her friend and peer group are in that same capacity and mine are the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. And until she started to meet some of my friends and my life, she's like, I didn't really know it was like this you know i just assumed Mm -hmm. everybody would kind of drink on weekends and stuff Mm -hmm. too there's a lot of people that aren't doing that sort of thing it just depends on who you surround yourself with Mm -hmm. so um when i'm trying to get sober it wasn't in my best interest to go and hang around my old friends anymore in those same environments and stuff i love pubs i like going to watch a hockey game in a pub and shooting Mm -hmm. some pool but for a while I wouldn't go in there. I just, I wasn't ready. I I can today. I've got enough of that time under my belt. So I don't want to limit that stuff, but I have to do what was right for me at that time. And Mm. unfortunately, you know, some friends got lost along the way and it's unfortunate. I have some regrets about that, but that's what I needed to do to kind of get out of that and stuff and Mm. then maybe start fresh as well. I need to change my group and to change that. So, yeah. Right. The, The importance of the environment yeah. Right. I feel like it's the, qu- the the easiest way to change uh, somebody is changing his environment. Yeah. Because it will create change automatically. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's um. Yeah. It's it's a really powerful tool if if you can change your environment. Yeah, Some people yeah, can. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. The more that you're able to do, the better kind mm-hmm. of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> yeah. I guess if you think about the social impact on you in your in your life when you if you're getting sober uh, it can definitely be i guess really i mean it can be a revolution i guess and change completely especially if you had people along the way that yeah um and it's part of uh when you change uh, ultimately people around you are kind of gonna either like stay or leave uh, and I'm, I'm curious in your case or in the case of um, of your experience how did you did this happen to you but yeah you were saying this and how how do you see this and how do you how did you navigate with with this because um, it can be pretty tough uh, so that's not only just friendships, but mm-hmm. but breaking or or like seeing that you you you're becoming somebody else. 
kind of right yeah but 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 you're still in your mind you can still be that old person and while you're becoming somebody else that you you don't really know for sure yet because you have never been that person and you're in the middle and you're losing some people and you're changing and all that kind of stuff um do you do you have anything whether it is in your in your own experience or with people you you work with specifically in the transformation how are are people doing to I was going to say keep sanity, but not, not, not necessarily <laughs> this, but to, you know, like having the faith or like accepting it or in this, because this is the, the painful middle when, where you're still half there, half there. Like, what are things that, that help with that? Yeah, it's, um, <laughs> it's, it, it, it's tough because, uh, <laughs> you know, I think my family would all be like happy as, shit that i'm you know i'm not drinking anymore and causing mm -hmm. havoc and just you know i'm just a better person that's that's great but also you know i've mentioned i lost some friend groups and stuff over the years with that too um i needed a period of time to to work on myself and uh, that's what i needed some space from some people and then i could slowly navigate back mm -hmm. into it so i mentioned kind of earlier like the, the, a lot of times in many cases the family has to heal as well and learn some tools of their own if possible and to, to kind of know how to navigate this or whatnot too but friend groups and stuff is um in my experience probably easily over 90 percent of the people are supportive of what i do mm. um and the thing is with that as i've regained my confidence over the years if the fear is gone i like who i am i love who i am today mm -hmm. if people around me that don't like that who gives a shit? I don't. Mm. I don't. I don't hang around people like that. That's on. That's on you. I try to surround myself around like-minded people, you right. know. And so, um, I again, I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I know that, but I'll try to reach out or uh, surround myself with people that are better than me as well, like in different places. I don't mean not better is not the right word, but that have what I want, because uh, mm. that's how I continue to grow and right. stuff as well. And so, it, it sounds bad. Maybe, but it's like if you're not on board with where I'm going, I'll leave you behind because yeah. uh, this is where I want to go. And if you want to come with me, that's great. I support you. This is where I'm at, but I, I'm careful with who I let into that circle. So I have lots of acquaintances, but my mm -hmm. circle of actual friends that are on board is very, very small. And those are people that I go to bat for any given week, and so would they. And um, it doesn't mean they're all on the same page as where mm -hmm. I'm going. It's just that they know what my process is. I can talk about it with them, and they want similar things of their own. Mm -hmm. um, I found that uh, sobriety is very attractive to people. Like mm -hmm. A lot of people want what I have or that, cause that was what I wanted too. I'd see other people go, Holy shit. How do you, how did you get this? How did you get a year of sobriety? And how do you get the gar and the girl and the job and your life is kick ass today? Mm -hmm. How did you get that? If you want what I have, do what I do. Mm -hmm. And so I would, that's what I would model. And I try to model that in my own life sort of thing. If you want what I have, do what I do. I'm happy to tell you how to get there and, and do that kind of thing. And so um, what happens is when that's attractive, people want that. And so in a sense, a fellowship gets built up around you. I don't have to go out really seeking anybody. You attract them on your own accord. Um, 
because it's like I, I want that, right? I like it. I, I I'm not always positive. I'm not always upbeat. I get passionate when I talk. My hands haven't stopped moving since we've been going here. Mm-hmm. But it's because my life is kick ass today, and I like it, and I love it. I love life, and I want everybody to experience what that can be, to without limits, without um, putting uh, limits on the the possibilities and stuff. And so. That's what gives me purpose and passion is to have others feel the same way. When you go from death to where I am today and knowing that it's possible to change, I want everyone to experience that. I mm-hmm. am proof that people can change mm-hmm. because I've, I've done that. And I want other people to know that whether you don't have to hit the depths that I have or any other people. It's just if you want change, let's make it happen and surround yourself with people that want that. And that's right. where your friends group, it'll just appear on its own. You'll just like you'll attract it without even having to try. Right. Yeah. I don't know if that answered the question. Yeah, yeah, or not, no, but... <laughs> for, sure, for sure. I was going to say, what are, let's, let's give some, uh, <clears throat> let's see some ad- advice on how to navigate life today. Sober. Uh, uh, yeah. Especially in your, you said you're in a relationship where your girlfriend is, is occasionally drinking or, like a lot of uh like i guess is probably like the most amount of people are like that mm-hmm. um and you how does it look like uh but m- what i would say is more like advice on like how for other people that have people that are uh, uh, sober in their lives how to approach that relationship how to um you know what not to do i guess if there's if there's things not to do or or i don't know if that makes sense but more like how do you how do you do <laughs> i was gonna say how, how are you so <laughs> uh, how do i do it around other people is that yeah kind of like, like socially mm. um but my question was more to give keys for people that may have people that are are getting sober or did I know sober people or how to, you know, be, um, respectful of it. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, I don't have like a list of bullet points that I could throw on there, but at, at the same time, I think I get what you're saying is like, what helps to to maybe navigate relationships mm-hmm. and sobriety with friends that don't yeah. sort of thing is that sort mm-hmm. of what yeah, we're saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think the big thing is um, is being open and being honest with people. Take a chance to be vulnerable and tell people or ask people. I should say is a better way of put it. What you might need, you know, as I I might need you to. Can you support me in this sort of thing? I've uh, or. Um, you know what? Uh, I don't know why I'm using golf, and I don't even like golf. I can't stand golf, but I've been using it as an analogy all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I'm I'm trying to sober up. My golfing buddies are out drinking. Mm-hmm. I have to understand that I I'm just me. This is me. I got to do whatever it takes on my end. It's not has nothing to do with them. This is my journey. Mm-hmm. If I think that I can handle being in that environment with them drinking, that's on me. That's something that I have to consider most of my friends would be supportive in that environment they may choose in the early days to not drink around me so that was my experience with my family specifically my first year recovery um you know my my mom's and and stuff my mom and my and her sisters and that my family you know casual drinkers uh drinking the glass of wine at the family get-togethers and that stuff 
I didn't ask them to, as I recall, but they were very respectful and they wouldn't drink around me for a while. Mm -hmm. And it was appreciated. Um, I didn't have to have those tough conversations, but it really did help. Mm -hmm. Um, So they were willing to support me in that. But as time goes on and sober Steve is normal Steve now, Mm -hmm. this is just who it is. It comes back naturally. They don't have to do that anymore, and I'm, you know, I can, I'm capable of handling that. But um, more to the point is, yeah, ask people and tell people what you may need uh, for support in them, and be willing to support friends. And mm. I get this a lot from people that don't understand. It's a great question you ask. What can I do to maybe help somebody that is trying to mm. do that? Is maybe. Um, be considerate of what they're trying to do. You don't even have to ask them why they're doing it. Like, no, I'm not having a drink today. End the conversation there. It doesn't need, what do you mean? Why? Why are you quitting drinking? Do you have a problem? Do you have this? It doesn't need to go there. It could be for a number of reasons. I'm having health issues. I just want to kind of cut back. I've been doing it too much. I shouldn't need to justify what I'm doing to you. Yeah. So just accept it. Good for you. Mm-hmm. And let's leave it at that, you know, kind of thing. Um, yeah. if, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, just like respect, right? Respect. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I mean, that kind of thing like, um, probably comes also on like people, you know, it's like everything, like suddenly somebody does something different. It's like, how oh, it must hurt me uh, as, a, as a spectator of somebody doing something that I, I wouldn't see myself do. And you're really going to poke at it like, wow, yeah. why would you... <laughs> Do you think you're better than me? I know, right? It's a, yeah, there's like competition or something again. It's a, but yeah, no, for sure. Um, um, what, uh, what would you say to somebody that uh, wants to get sober, but like is kind of like in the the, it's kind of into like having the awareness that it's a that it's a real problem for 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 his own life like what would you say um i was almost gonna say to to younger steve that were Mm. um not visualizing not visual visualizing himself not being able to get there no does it make sense no what would you say to somebody that can't vision the the absence of of it Um, because when you can't vision this you can't really know what the feeling is going to be what your life's going to look like what would you what would you say for for usually my go-to is trust the process and Mm. um there's, you know, you got your 12-step slogans, which is like one day at a time. So you don't have to quit forever. Just try today. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And we can, you know, we can always re-navigate that. We can always readjust to what the goal is sort of thing. It's just um, be kind to yourself and be patient with yourself. It's not something that just comes like that. Although it's right. possible, it's just um, that that motivation can kind of come. But it's the, the hard part comes after. Getting sober is the easy part. Staying sober is the difficult part. That's where the tools really have to kind of come into play. So, um, you know, most people can maybe go an hour or two or go a day, maybe even a week, whatever the case, if we're depending on the severity of the mm-hmm. of the problem, right? But um, I think have, have kindness, have patience with yourself and <clears throat> 
ask for help. Please reach out for help. And because the, there is like somebody to that you can connect with and some mm-hmm. aspect of someone that's going to understand and do it with a, a partner. That's why I love the coaching process so much mm-hmm. is I'm, a, I'm an accountability partner, right? Mm-hmm. I'm on this journey with you. I'm, it's like a one-on-one direct relationship that we're having to kind of navigate this sort of thing, right? So, um, you know, you consider like uh, we were talking about CrossFit earlier and mm-hmm. stuff that you're involved in and that and how a lot of new people get into there and without proper training and stuff, you can – get hurt you can get Mm -hmm. injured you can flail around you maybe make no progress because you're not doing it right so you step in as a coach and you give them some guidance this is what's worked for me try this and here's the list that you have a go on a program that's what i do that's where it becomes possible Mm -hmm. to do this together and i'm going to hold you accountable for that so we have this aftercare plan going all right today you are supposed to read this and you're going to do some of the homework on this and uh, write about yourself and do some journaling here and next session that shit better be done otherwise there's let's say hell to pay i'm just acting tough now but you know what i mean it's like that's what i'm here for is to hold you accountable Mm -hmm. if it's not getting done why is it not getting done then we readjust so having somebody to navigate that with Makes it so much easier. And so that's what I try to offer, one to one sort of thing, right? Is let's go through this together. And you would know this as, as a coach, it's like I'm there to bridge the gap, you know, like, like a bridge builder. I've been here, I've done the trial and error of 15 years of sobriety. Mm-hmm. Let me show you where I've gone wrong and what to avoid. And we can kind of fast track your progress so that you don't have to take all the same mistakes that I've had to learn along the way, kind right. of thing. Let's go through this together. Let's try this, and ultimately, it's that person's journey. But I'm here to walk mm-hmm. with you every step of the way with it. So yeah, reach yeah. out for help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because th- that's funny how there's certain things in life that is that are like more. I was gonna <clears> say <throat> um, socially accepted. Not that it's not socially accepted, but it's more obvious for people that like, oh, for that thing, yeah, a, a coach is normal to have a coach. But by in exercising, by example, yeah. But like for anything that you didn't really get any kind of uh, um, educa- education on on how to do something, mm-hmm. you potentially can get a, a guide or a coach for it, no matter what it is. Yeah. But you know what I mean. And there's some things that like yeah, that's normal. Uh, you're gonna do th- that type of of job you need this education and there's going to be teacher that's going to teach you how it is and and uh it, it really comes to changing the the to kind of deconstructing for this i need a coach for this no it's all, all just on my own like you can potentially get a coach for anything, anything and, and everything yeah. right and this is kind of the same um the same thing because there's no we don't learn in school how to um get sober if you had this issue how you stop doing this if you had absolutely this issue it's, it's something that like uh, at least having you know somebody that lays in front of you well this will be this is kind of like what we can do because that works with based on experience absolutely you know, that's uh, I mentioned earlier, like I, I have no business training. I didn't go to business school, mm-hmm. and I have to example, create this. Yeah. So I go and talk to someone that knows how to build a business, and it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, help me. This is like, mm-hmm. what do I do? That's what they're for. Otherwise, yeah. I spend years trying to. Am I doing things right? Am I doing it the right mm-hmm. way? Is cut that time in half for me to kind of do that, and yeah. I find people are really reluctant to invest in themselves in that way. You know, it's just um, <clears throat> how long do you want to stay stuck for? You know, and just kind of. Yeah. 
in mediocrity. And I, I, I don't accept that with clients that I work with. Yeah. I, it's, there's so much more out there. And, but to invest in yourself, it just sounds so weird. And I get a lot of people in, in early recovery, and I'm no exception to this. I did this myself. But, you know, I get you know a couple months clean and sober, and I need a new tattoo. I need recovery tattoos <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. I'm gonna go spend yeah. a grand on a you yeah. know do a whole arm sleeve and all this kind of stuff up, and you won't spend a thousand dollars to invest in yourself and your well being mm-hmm. and go. We can get you to this place like mm-hmm. so much quicker and all this stuff, but. No, no, no. It's you know, it, and nothing against people that get tattoos, yeah, but you know what no, I mean. It's yeah, like, no, but totally. That's uh, it's way easier to spend money on material things, yeah. and external things, than <clears throat> for our own because it's way easier for most people to to grasp something that you can't touch, right? Yeah, like your 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 well being. It's not something that you can you can see, touch. It's something that you feel for sure, uh, and having that vision helps. You know, that's why we sit down. So like when we have an initial consult, it's like, what's the vision? What's the dream? What's the goal? Mm-hmm. Where do you want to be? That's what I'm here to offer you. You're not spending money to sit down with me twice a week. Who wants that? You know, it's, we're here to help you get the dream that you want. So, mm-hmm. you know, I want to quit drinking. Why? I don't know. Well, that, that's where we start. And mm. what usually comes up is I want to quit drinking because I want to be a better person for myself. I want to be the amazing dad to my kids. And I want to have an amazing life where I'm not um, binded by this thing that's clawing me back kind of thing. That's the goal. That's what you're paying to get. You're not paying for sessions with me. We're paying to get that goal. I'm here to help you get mm. that by being there along the way. That's sort of what you're investing in, right? It's like, take me out of the equation. No one wants to spend time with me willingly for, <laughs> and then pay money to do it. But yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you a joke or two. I mean, I hope you've enjoyed the conversation, yeah, but no, no let's sure. like make this happen. That's yeah. what we're after, right? So Yeah, no, yeah. for sure, yeah. What, what um, main differences between the, I was going to say, this, the sober life and the non- not sober life oh man <laughs> it's 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 not it's night and day I, I can't like sit here and uh even even uh, i'll throw it this way um had a had you opened the door back in my addiction and say this is what your life is going to look like in 15 years and what what you have today and how you're going to feel and what it's going to look like I wouldn't have believed it. I would have said that's not possible. Mm-hmm. And th- I'm not sitting here. I don't have like a fancy Mercedes out there. I own a really mm-hmm. million dollar house or anything like that. Far from it. I have that peace of mind. I have that that freedom. I love who I am today. I know who I am. I know what my fears are. I that those are the things that are that are priceless. I I have purpose. I have a sense of fulfillment in my life, and that's what I want everybody to achieve. And mm-hmm. I try to say this like not egotistically it's like i wish everybody could spend a day in my shoes to feel uh, what it feels like to be me and what i mean by that is not to experience what i have but what i do and what it feels like to to not have fears weigh on you to know what it's like to have freedom to not have to wake up and be like holy crap i wear my cigarettes and oh my god i drank so much last night and who did i piss off and who do i have to make amends to and mm. you know and you know to where i can leave my cell phone out today not have to worry about who's going to go through there and see stuff they shouldn't be seeing like it's mm. just that whole garbage of a mess doesn't have to be there anymore that's what i like about today and don't get me wrong, I have a kick-ass girlfriend and I love my truck that gets me up in the bush. These are just things that I have that are allow me to do what I do, but the 
the real stuff is what I have in here. That's what I take. And so you asked earlier, what do you replace that with? That's where spirituality comes in. That's where that whole kind of component comes in. I find things, a sense of purpose and fulfillment on this hopefully never-ending quest of self-improvement to become that better version of myself because that's who I want to be. I want to know what my limits are. Mm. I've barely scratched the surface of what I've what I can do and what I want to do. And so that's kind of, mm. yeah, what I, what I like to offer people in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah, that was a good, <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah. Um, um, <clears throat> uh, we in time. Huh. Um, I just wanted to make a few, You are so you you were talking also about the the, the solution based uh, focus brief therapy yeah because yeah. you because so do you you work with people that are not that don't have like addiction problem but more like as a like life coach or guidance coach for for their goals and stuff like that or it, or that comes in addiction as well it comes in addiction as well so it's all okay, part of I the <clears throat> it's the therapy that I subscribe to basically mm-hmm. so um uh. I'm a registered therapeutic counselor. I went to school for my counseling and got my diploma and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Uh, and I love the counseling aspect. I love the training. I love everything with that. But I like the coaching modality more. Mm-hmm. And so solution-focused therapy comes in. It's right under the umbrella of coaching where you're, you're taking a strengths-based approach and a solution-focused, action-oriented approach to, to change. So we tend not to spend as much time in the past as much as getting you firmly grounded in the present uh, and utilizing that to how can we create a better version of your future. Mm. So everyone has their strengths and their weaknesses and what's going on for them. So we kind of take what you have to work with, add some tools along the way and build on top of that. Mm. And so um, we're not spending a great deal of time understanding the why as much as what can I do to go forward. So as an example, I, for a long time, I wanted to understand why am I an alcoholic? What is that? Where did that come from? And I could list a dozen different reasons today from past traumas to whatever I I want. But understanding that why didn't really help with the action I needed to take to work on the addiction aspect of it. Mm. It it helped in some capacity and there's always a place for that. But it's more about what we talked about earlier, why don't we get you into the gym first and then we can kind of look about why we may have trouble maintaining that or staying that sort of thing mm-hmm. as opposed to let's spend six weeks talking about why you don't, you can't go to the gym yeah. and then maybe we'll attempt it or we can start now, get you in there and that stuff will start to sort itself out and then mm-hmm. maybe it's not even relevant because today my why isn't really relevant except from how to share that experience with other people, right. if that makes sense. Yeah, so. Yeah, totally. So that's kind of the the approach we take with it. And um, I like, I'm a big proponent, maybe this is an okay place to to say this as well, but um, like coaching can tend to get a a bad rap sometimes because it can go very largely unregulated in in BC, especially in Canada as well. Mm -hmm. Like anybody can put a shingle up and call themselves, uh, you know, a life coach or whatever Mm -hmm. sort of thing, right, too, right? And that's great. Um, but you have to be really careful of what you're 
what you're after and what you're getting for. And I'm seeing it more and more with the social media side of people and these influencers. And it's like, here's my life. It's great. And I want to start coaching people how to have what I have. That's great. But if there's not always the qualifications there, we're tampering with some people's lives in in, in many cases. You know what I mean? And uh, we have a part to play in that. So, you know, I've done a lot of schooling to get where I am. I'm, I'm regulated with a coaching body and a counseling body, which is highly regulated and governed by a governing body of ethics that I have to adhere to with trauma-enforced practice and training and all this type of stuff. So with that comes the, you know, the experience about the education behind that to knowing that I can deal with some of these things and where's my lane to stay in and where it's not my, my area of expertise. I don't mm-hmm. pretend to be an expert in every single field. I, I'm not a specific PTSD therapist sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That's not my area of interest. That's not my specialty. And if that if you're having issues with that, I'll happily refer you to someone that's a better fit. I want to stay in my lane with mm-hmm. that. But that's but knowing that is getting my ego out of the way. Going, I can't help everybody. I'm not here to help everybody. I don't want to help everybody. This is my my niche, um, so I want to be careful with that. You know, is that um, seek out the the proper credentials and stuff. You know, that have mm-hmm. the have I have to. For example, to maintain what I have, I have to um, continue yearly with so many continuing education credits. I have to take um, yearly ethics uh, courses and consent to that. And I have to always upgrade my education and I have to report. I have supervision that I have to meet with people all the time to make Mm -hmm. sure I'm doing a proper job and a service to myself and to my clients, right? It's very heavy regulated. I'm not just, hey, I'm Steven, I'm a coach because my life's kick ass now today Mm -hmm. as much as I love it. There's a lot of training, a lot of education that's gone behind there to make sure I'm offering a safe space ethically to what I can do with my clients because I, I, I can't help everybody. That's not what I want to right. to do. I want to be really careful of that, but I want to make that uh, clear too sort of thing. So Totally. I, I feel like, I mean, this, you know, like s- scams on the internet, it's uh, something that has been existing since this, this, the start of it and, <laughs> and then... The the way I see these things is more. Um, uh, I was gonna say natural selection, <clears throat> right? It's like you you kind of need to have a little bit of faith into people and everybody's its own uh, master, right? And and where you go, like people need to be accountable also to where they go. And if you if you go to somebody that yeah, is just going to sell you a dream and, you know, with nothing behind and like often when it's too good to be true, uh, it is it is because it, it's it the, the case and like <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess um, when it's not regulated in, in, in this province, right? And like anybody can... can uh, can kind of but you can't have the you can't put yourself as a like counselor right or i can but no those. not you i mean you generally speaking like okay, it's regulated yes. in the name or or like in the, the practice like what, what in how ways it's not regulated uh, um in in bc specifically mm-hmm. you can the call refer to as a open a shingle, basically throw up a shingle and mm. be a, a counselor or a life mm. coach sort of thing without any formal training whatsoever. Mm. Uh, a lot of people, you know, oh, you're a good listener. You'd be a really good counselor. Oh, mm. maybe I'll do that. And then there's 
there's no insurances, there's no formal education right. behind it or, or anything like that. You know, being able to be a good listener or being sympathetic to be able to relate is a great quality to have as a counselor, but it also requires that there's a hell of a lot of training education oh, that yeah. goes behind that too, right? For and sure. so, um, nice. yeah. yeah, I mean, as trauma, for example, is, is a big one, you know, and a lot of um, seen some, you know, people that's, I can, maybe I'm trained to take out the, go back and explore that trauma or to find where it's kind of coming from. But if you're not trained in how to deal with it when it's coming up in that moment, that's, that's kind of scary. It's like, hey, Steve, let's go back and uh, dig up your past a little bit in this traumatic experience where you were absolutely terrified. Mm-hmm. I'm reliving it now in the moment. If you don't have training to deal with that, what a mess that's going to cause. Or maybe yeah. it shouldn't even be brought up in that capacity in that mm-hmm. environment anyway. So knowing the differences between that, just a small example for of that, sure. right? But oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I wanted to end on the... Um, what it is what is it for you when you when you work in because i can't relate is i i coached four years uh, uh fitness and i can see how being in a position of coaching uh is is taking a crazy amount of your energy but it's for exercising right there's no not much there's a lit. there's for sure like uh um, I mean, there is nowhere near the same amount of, of emotional involvement in coaching somebody that's like that you're directly in, interfering and uh, influencing or in giving guidance in for his life, like things that not just like you know making a squat or even though this will have an impact on his life for <laughs> yeah, sure. But for I mean, sure. there's not the same uh, emotional and. Uh, impact for you as as the coach i'm talking and mm-hmm. the, the the people so you're and you're dealing with right like the people come because they have like a, something that they want to solve right so you're dealing with already they have like a conflict or a problem and so you're you're constantly put into an environment where there's a there's a, an issue and and probably some negativity around that mm-hmm. How do you, um, how do you navigate this? You know, because I mean, we're all different. Some people will take, will easily take on energies of other people. Yeah. Some, some have more. Uh, uh, for some, it will be easily, more easily to to not. Like, how how in your case are you dealing with this? this is something you think about sometimes? Something you 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 you're aware of and you have like some kind of things to do to you know separate things uh uh how does that affect you you know mentally yeah uh, it's um I refer to that as uh kind of what am i doing for self-care on yeah, myself yeah. a lot of times yeah it's very easy to uh to take on people's stuff you know empathy mm-hmm. and sympathy or you know, all essential qualities of, of counseling and, and coaching and stuff to be able to relate and put yourself in that shoes. And um, I think I, I've been doing this long enough now that I've been able to do a very good job at separating that. Mm-hmm. Um, it really takes a lot of boundaries to do that as well, to not take that on. Uh, I mentioned, I think, that the, what we started with in the very first conversation we had was I get on that dirt road and I got my fishing rod. 
things are shut off. You know, <laughs> yeah. and that's it's like it's like turn off time. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a time and place to talk about work, and there's time and a place to just we we don't. So I just got back from a little uh, holiday out in the Kootenays and stuff with my girlfriend, and we were out there for a week and no cell service and stuff mm-hmm. uh, for five days and, and oh, wow, that kind amazing. of stuff. And yeah, it's it's weird, and you almost regret not regret you it's saddening when you come back into cell range and all of a sudden mm-hmm. your phone's there. It's like, ding, 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 ding. I was like, oh my yeah. God, back to reality kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. But um, it's easy to get that like that um, that hero complex, that savior complex and stuff. And I want to solve people's problems. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I've been doing this long enough now that I, I can really separate that sort of thing. That's mm-hmm. that's you and, and this is me. And I have to do my own care i have to do this stuff as well so mm-hmm. that's maybe that's the the point i can make is i have to walk the walk and not just talk the talk kind of thing and so um i have my own routines i have my own things that i do that that prevent me from taking that stuff on to begin with a lot of it is preventative um not just being reactive in the moment sort of thing right mm-hmm. and learning to say you know this the session's over and it's there i leave the emotions there i leave everything behind at the office mm-hmm. and I go home and go about my day kind of thing. You put your session notes, you reflect. I have my mentors, I have my supervisors that I go and talk to. And I'm, oh, this is a tough case. This one's really getting to me. And I'm able mm-hmm. to look at why does it bother me, what's going on for it and stuff. And probably one area that I lack in is patience. Mm-hmm. And that's why I like solution-focused brief therapy because we're usually – we don't it doesn't have to take the same amount of time as conventional mm. therapy all the time where we're taking talking years of, you know, kind of coming mm. in sort of thing. We're trying to get to a, a solution and, and make some changes rather quickly. And so because I, I get impatient sometimes when mm. it's like, oh, why they just mm. go and do it kind of thing. I can't mm. do it for you. And I, I think it's because I'm passionate. I want people to just kind of jump mm. on it and see those changes. But it can't be at my speed either, right? Yeah. It, can, it has to be at, at your speed. So um, I don't know. That's what I, that's what I love about it too. Is I, I, I like I like people in that aspect to see how how things work. And the nice thing with coaching and counseling, there's no one set way of doing anything. You know, it's just what's going to work best for this individual. And the more training that I have, the more reading that I do, the more life experience that I have, the better I, equipped I am to deal with all the different um, nuances of what the person may be going through. Right. And uh, yeah, but at the end of the day. It's shut off, and I don't think about it, and it's done. And mm-hmm. uh, I can't remember who told it to me a long time ago. It's like don't don't let anyone rent space in your brain for free. You know what I mean? Right. It's just yeah, like yeah. throw that stuff out. It's not yeah. worth the time and the effort, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And and so I, I'm a human. I get affected like a lot of people do, but mm-hmm. I, I'm grateful for the tools I have too that I can kind of do that stuff as well. Yeah. So yeah, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. No one should rent should exist rent free in yeah. your in your <laughs> in your brain. Love that. Yeah. 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 Um good. Well I think yeah that's the the two hours uh markets it's it's around now. I think uh we kinda kinda covered like a good amount of stuff. Um, yeah, I really appreciate the time. It's been yeah, I love talking good. about this stuff. It's yeah. um This is what kind of what brings me joy. I love talking about with like-minded people mm-hmm. and stuff, you know, like uh, just, you know, your background, the little bits that we talked beforehand and stuff like that too. It's like, mm-hmm. guys, like you are like people that I want on my side and like mm-hmm. going forward in life and that kind of thing too. And 
I, I try to have my approach be not a whole lot different than what this looks like. I, I think a lot of people have this idea of what this clinical sterile yeah. practice that counseling needs to be, you know, back in the old days where you lie on the couch and yeah. it's like, tell me about your mother, you know, mm -hmm. kind of thing. And we're, we're just having a conversation and try to just try to keep it real and, and stuff too, you know, and yeah. uh, make it more approachable. So to lessen that stigma of let's just go and get some help and don't wait till the last minute. You don't have to be suffering to, to, um, to, to reach out. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, if there's friction, if there's, you're just feeling anything, talk to somebody about mm -hmm. it, you know, and that let's, let's get it out. Let's, let's process it and let's uh, get you where you want to be. That's what, yeah. yeah. I, I, I love that aspect. It's uh, yeah. Like life doesn't have to be just pain and suffering. No, no. It's, it's, it's a lie. It doesn't have to be just yeah. that. Can yeah. be good also. I mean, I've, I've seen some like your, your content that you put out too. And I, I think, I understand a little bit like your philosophy of why mm -hmm. you're doing this and what, what that looks like as well. And, and I love it, you know, the, the curious art of being mm -hmm. human and, um, you know, I'm not perfect and I've made mistakes and I have a past and everyone's got a story and I'm really no different than anybody else either. I've yeah. found some ways to overcome it where I'm happy with where I'm at and I'm still not where I want to be. And that's the yeah. beautiful part of it too. But you know, this, this is, um, it is, it's a beautiful art of just mm -hmm. existing and, the less I can do that without having to struggle and suffer is yeah. uh, just that, that means the world to me. And I, I wish everyone would invest in themselves because it's, it's so worth it, you know, to see what's mm -hmm. out there. And I'll throw that P word out there to reach the potential, you know, have mm -hmm. that capacity, I think, to be who <laughs> I was intended to be. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's a great. Uh, Last words. Well, so, what do you have a name? I'll I'll slide the uh, so where where people can find you if they need uh, any any guidance related to that if they were uh, resonated with uh, with your your message. Um, do you have any? Is it? Do you have a name of your your practice or is it? Steve Brown. It's uh, yeah, Steve Brown coaching and counseling. It's yeah. pretty basic. I have a really little social media presence, but I'm yeah. looking at building that. I think I, I, I just started oh, Facebook back yeah. in December. Yeah, I have like I didn't exist anywhere on mm. the internet and kind of until then sort of thing. So, yeah, Steve Braun coaching and counseling. My website is uh, Um a lot of our information stuff mm -hmm. is on there, rates, programs, and, and sessions, what it looks like, expectations. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn. I'm on there as well. And uh, Soon on yeah. Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. And yeah, who knows? <laughs> I, I got to try to – I don't have that much time anymore, but I'm really loving writing and stuff too. And like mm -hmm. I usually post weekly on Facebook and on my blog and stuff on the website and that just little – tips and tricks, things that are going on. I try to throw my experience in there a little bit with how can I, you know, make a point out of this and help people and just give some, you know, free content away in that aspect too. Yeah. And if you can relate, awesome. I'd love to have a chat with you. And if not, that's okay too. Thank you for mm -hmm. watching and stuff too. And uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure. I've, this is my first one of these ever mm -hmm. and it's been great. You've been fantastic. And I appreciate yeah. your patience with me in that too. For sure. and, uh, yeah, it's been a great experience. So yeah. thank you for that. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. But thank you for sharing the story. That's the, Without that, right, this doesn't exist without people willing to, to, to share things. So thank you as well. My pleasure. Thanks. And that's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs>